In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. So far this Lenten season, we have looked at the tearing of the temple curtain being torn in two, the earthquakes last weekend, and the darkness that took place all as Jesus was crucified. Tonight, we simply look at the fact that rocks were split. Now, at first glance, and maybe of hearing of this, it might seem that rocks being split isn't really a miraculous thing. After all, last week we heard from Pastor Leach about how the earth quaked when Jesus was crucified, and usually when the earth quakes, rocks break apart. It's just what happens. But if you look at the original Greek scriptures, they specify that the splitting of these rocks are a specific sign. And even more than that, the word that is used to describe what happened to the rocks that is here translated as split is actually the same word that it was used for the temple curtain. These rocks are actually being torn into two. Or in other words, the rocks just didn't crack. They literally fell apart. And these are not small rocks. And these are not even like big rocks, like boulders. The word used there is petros. It means the rock that is the foundation of the earth, bedrock. It's the kind of big and solid rock into which the tombs around Israel were cut into. And so with these words and this next signs, it sounds as if literally the foundations of the world are falling apart, which maybe it was. We heard from Romans tonight that creation was groaning at the fact that Christ had been crucified. Creation, as Jesus hung on the cross, had just killed its creator. And while many might not have cared what was going on, it just seemed like another crucifixion, creation took notice, and it trembled, and it began to fall apart. The creation did not fully come apart, for that is simply not what happened. For if it truly fell apart, it would be God's doing, undoing of this world. Even though Jesus had been slaughtered on the cross, and we like to blame Pilate and the Pharisees and the chief priests and the Roman soldiers, or even the disciples in terms of how they deny Jesus, none of them were truly responsible for what took place on Good Friday. God was still completely in control. It was God himself that John tells us, who loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus would come to lay down his life, and it's not anybody else who does it. He himself does it. It was God himself who Isaiah tells us that would lay upon Jesus the iniquity of the whole world. It was God who did this for us to keep this world from falling apart. You and I live in a world where we turn against each other, even where animals turn against each other. Go on YouTube and look at some videos from Africa, and you can see all of the animals turning on each other and tearing each other apart. All creation in this world is groaning under the burden of sin. However, that does not mean that God hates his creation he loves it, and so he sends Jesus, born of a virgin, named Jesus because he is the anointed chosen Messiah, and through his death and his resurrection, there would be a new creation. 
So as we heard a couple weeks ago, when the sun stopped shining, when Jesus was on the cross, all the earth was covered in darkness. And yet God would cause the sun to shine again. And now while the earth trembles and the rocks are being torn in two when Jesus dies, God will comfort his creation, stopping the trembling and the tearing. What can we take from this? We can look at this all and simply say, this is not the end, for Jesus will rise again. There is going to be a resurrection when the tomb that was cut out of rock was going to be torn open, and he would walk out victorious and alive. Sin and death will not win. Life and forgiveness will win, and not just as an example, but for you and everyone. And when Jesus is raised from the dead, it will be the feast of victory for all. So we don't have to think about the splitting of the rocks just as being just another miracle. All that surrounded the crucifixion. I really think in some ways this word for tearing the rocks points to even a deeper spiritual element in our lives. We don't do this today But one of the ancient practices during somebody's time of repentance was to tear their clothes apart. Maybe you've seen some shows or videos where somebody's really, really mad and they tear their shirt apart out of anger and frustration. The ancients would do this not out of anger, but out of repentance. You heard about that tonight as Jesus was put on the trial. This was a sign of repentance, a sign of one mourning. The high priest tore his clothes at Jesus' trial in dismay at what he said about Jesus. This man is speaking against God. He's speaking blasphemy. And that takes us back to the Lenten season and the words of Joel, which told us at the very beginning of this season, rend our hearts and not our garments. In other words, to mourn, And to repent of our sin and rebellion, we must do so by looking at ourselves and our hearts and seeing how we've gone against God, our Creator. But even more than that, God doesn't want to leave us in this. He doesn't leave the rocks splitting apart everywhere. He wants to comfort His trembling creation. And He is going to comfort you tonight and every day that you stand in his presence as a sinner, terrified of your sins, but also there to give you comfort. Comfort that started even from the cross when Jesus prayed for you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he would comfort the thief on the cross next to him, saying, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Lent is a time to take stock of our sin, and sometimes to tremble, and to see in the cross the awful price that God had to pay for us, and to rend our hearts even more. But it is also time to see the mercy and love of God for Jesus for you, that you may be comforted, comforted with the word of God, no matter how far we have sinned, your sin has been dealt with, You have forgiveness in Jesus. That is the comfort Peter needed. We heard tonight about how he 
denied Jesus three times. He denied Jesus before a teenage girl. He denied Jesus a second time. And then the third time, you might even notice that he called down a curse upon himself and he uses God's name to adamantly deny that he knew the Christ. And the rooster would crow. Peter's heart was torn apart and he went out and wept bitterly. Perhaps maybe we could even say that he went out with great trembling and the rendering of his heart. Jesus, who would name Peter Petros, was being torn apart, just as the rocks of the foundation of the earth were being torn apart as Jesus died. There was also comfort needed for somebody else. His name was Judas. He went back to the chief priest and tried to return his blood money, and he confessed his sin. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But did you notice something? The clergy in tonight's reading, the chief priests, the ones who were in charge of proclaiming God's forgiveness, they simply said to him, what is it to us? What does it even matter? What a shame. What a terrible thing to be told as you are sitting there rendering your hearts apart. It was their job to comfort Peter with forgiveness, but they did not. And we know what happened with him. That's what happens when one is left with only the law and without the comfort and forgiveness and the shed blood of God. Judas fell apart. There is comfort that you and I need for our sin is tearing us apart whether we realize it or not and our sin is making us fall apart wearing us down and wearing us out and ultimately it will lead us to the grave for sin is uncreation anti-creation it is a destroyer of creation death is sin made visible for us every time you drive by a cemetery you can be reminded of that But Jesus' love is made visible for you as he was lifted up on the cross. Well, I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself, he says. As you look at Jesus on the cross, there is the love of God for you. So that you would be comforted in a comfortless world. That you would not be without hope. That you not be left in despair. But that you see in Jesus your hope, your life, both now and forever. And so our Lord has given us his word that we might see Jesus correctly and know his love and his forgiveness. For just seeing Jesus on the cross isn't enough. The thief saw Jesus, but he needed to hear what Jesus has to say. And that's what you hear tonight as well. I forgive you all your sins. I have taken on your cross, your death, your sin to give you my life. He tells you tonight that he is here to die for you, that you might rise in him, that you and I, as we are laid into the foundation of the earth, that on the last day our tombs might be torn open and the Son of God call you by name and you will rise into the new creation, never to fall apart. That is the love of Jesus and his forgiveness for you. That is now the Petros, the foundation, the bedrock that our church and our lives are 
set upon. Christ, the solid rock who stands, all other ground is sinking sand. He's a foundation that cannot be shaken, and he will last for you forever. So the tearing of the rocks can teach us during this Lenten season and always that we should rend our sinful hearts of stone, mourning for our sin, but we receive the new heart of flesh as God comforts us with the forgiveness of sins, the life and salvation won for us by Jesus. His resurrection is yours. His life eternal is yours. He has given himself to give you the foundation and that promise. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.